And then she gets on the bus, sees me and goes, oh, weren't you backstage before? Gives me a huge hug and like a kiss on the cheek. And thanks for being here. Do you need anything? It was like super friendly. <laughs> and you're like, I'll never wash my face again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello and welcome to The Morning Block. It's the first block of the day. I'm Jake. And I'm Chris. And I founded Virtual Arts with the help of my good buddy Chris and a whole lot of other awesome people. And this is a weekly show where we answer big questions about the pageantry, marching arts, and honestly, just the music industry in general. All kinds of stuff. And today we are tackling your favorite WGI group gets more free gear than Beyonce. How? I mean, we do mean literally. Literally. We don't throw that word around, so... Yeah, WGI groups and DCI groups, you know, they get tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear. So how are they able to do it versus, you know, the regular music industry, touring musicians? Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about. We'll be talking a lot from our experience, kind of getting gear with the groups that we've administrated and run and groups that we've taught at, and also talking to some actual professionals in the industry uh, about their deals with their gear companies and kind of comparing, how does this happen? How did we get to this place? Jake, let's let's kick us off. So what experiences do you have in your group? So we obviously, we ran um, an indoor group, Equinox, together for four years, uh, we've marched together in a few places, but our teaching background has kind of varied from place to place. I was teaching over, you know, we'll leave groups out, I'm assuming, for this. Yeah, well, um, we've taught at a variety for, of DCI and WGI yeah. groups. Yeah, so tell me about like what you've seen on your side of things, especially from the DCI world, and then we can jump together into the WGI world. Sure. So depending on who you are in in DCI, Drum Corps International, uh, you may have uh, a crazy good deal or you may have hardly anything. (laughs) It's everything in between. Um, Some Mm -hmm. groups get almost everything completely for free. They may not own it, but they get to use it for the summer for literally no money. Or they get it what's called consigned, uh, which means we're going to give this to you and you help us sell it at the end of the year. And still, it's it's basically free. Um, or we, we put drums or horns on a two-year rotation. So every two years, you help us sell all of your used horns that you used all summer, and we give you a brand new factory-made set of horns or drums or whatever. Um, and this is true of all kinds of equipment <laughs> that's used for drum corps. And typically, on average, and this is for indoor too, the better your group does, the more free stuff you get. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of music gear. So, oh, yeah. so much. So much. If you think if you think of like individual horn lines, you know, each of those horns, $1,000 wouldn't be unheard of for some of these pieces of equipment. Oh, more. More for horns. I mean, the, the new pearl brass stuff I know is more, and it's super yeah. nice. And you've got 80 on the field minimum for that. So so to, to, to take this back further, just so, so people understand it, a lot of the times... The drum corps don't necessarily own the equipment. They're pretty much borrowing it from their company that they're partnered with. Sure. Um, and the whole purpose behind that is marketing. Yeah. You know, you go into your local band rooms around the country and there's a poster of the Phantom Regiment marching, you know, whatever. I think they were marching Jupiter when I was there. I not a hundred percent sure, but so they're using, so there's a poster seeing, you know, the Jupiter logo from Phantom Regiment and it makes the band directors think like, oh, that was really good. I really enjoyed that show. 
So maybe the next time I buy equipment or my school allows me to buy equipment, that's who I'm going to buy from. Yeah. And it works. And I mean, that's one of the things that they use for marketing terms. And then for drum cores, it works perfectly too, because you don't need, you don't, you really don't need to buy instruments. You really need to borrow them. We only use them for about a fourth of the year. Right. That's it. So the purpose of owning them, now you need a place to store them. I mean, you have a truck, but you need a place to park the truck. It's better if it's climate controlled, honestly, for a lot of the stuff. Yep. There's a lot of factors involved that it would just be better. And and that's what a lot of people do. They, we, okay, we will use your equipment for this season and then we will help facilitate the sale of this equipment. And once you've sold all of the gear, then you'll let us have some new gear for the audition season to roll around. And now we're using that gear for the next season. And to put it in perspective too, just to give you some insight, a lot of groups will be gifted or given or borrow more brand new gear uh, than their total budget for the whole year. Like just say an indoor group's budget's $50,000. They're definitely using way more than $50,000 worth of gear that year. So they may have more free stuff either gifted, given, or borrowed, consigned than total money that they have, which is wild. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, so I can, I can say I, I ran the finance side of my indoor groups and just from doing, doing a little digging across the independent world of WGI and the percussion world, the average um, budget runs between eighty and hundred thousand dollars for groups, and and Jake's correct. Like, uh, an entire front ensemble can cost a hundred thousand dollars or more in the world in in the world class groups. And that's just talking about the instruments. We haven't touched electronics yet, mallets, cymbals, any of that, everything else. <laughs> yeah, we are just talking the pieces of equipment that you hit. So then you add all these other things. You add a battery to it. You're looking at around, you know, it's not unlikely to be one hundred and eighty to two hundred thousand dollars worth of gear on the floor in terms of musical instruments. We haven't touched sure. uniforms. We haven't touched props. We haven't touched you, you know, the floor. None of that stuff. We're just talking drums in a gym. There's a lot of value on that floor, and it's one of those things you notice. I, I at least whenever I watch groups, I notice a large difference in the WGI world from A class to open class to world class. Since world class gets the really good deals, in the open classes, they have to save their money a lot more. They're not getting free gear every two years, even. A lot of times they're just getting, you know, some of these deals are like a percent off. You can get 10% off market value or 30% off market value. And so you're starting to see a lot of those and it's just because there's not money for the gear. World-class groups are able to save a lot of money on gear because of all the sponsorships so they can put a lot more money into the props, into the uniforms, into the floor. And so their production value looks insane. And it's not because the kids who are marching it are richer. It's just that these groups have way better deals and are able to save a lot of money um, when it comes to gear. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and I, I think with all of this, what we're trying to say that relative to success, it's way easier to get free stuff as a band person, quote unquote, drum corps, WGI, whatever, uh, than a mainstream music artist. If you're a rock drummer or if you're a, a Fender guitar player, um, getting sponsored and getting free stuff is tremendously difficult. But if you just want brand new gear, just just join marching band. It's not that hard. <laughs> which which why why is that, Jake? That's so weird. Like you think of like a mainstream music artist, they they don't have two like a drum set player touring doesn't have two hundred thousand dollars worth of gear up on that stage, but a drum corps does easily. 
So why is that? And, and it's even crazier. I, I think talking to some of the people that we'll talk to will we'll, we'll kind of shed some light on it. But I mean, you look at WGI, they have one sold out show a year, 15,000 people, all that time, money and effort for all those instrument companies, all those gear companies, for all those groups, 15,000 people. I mean, maybe there's more outside in the lot, but like Beyonce shows sell out, I don't know. So? I mean, at I, least 10 times that, right? And she's if she goes on easily. tour and tickets are hundreds, I'm sure. I've never gone to a Beyonce mm-hmm. concert. I had a chance at one time and I remember the tickets being very expensive and I decided against it. So regrets. I know, right? And now who would have predicted this year and the fact that we don't get to do live shows anymore? I feel like every everyone's ticket prices of what's worth a live show is going way up. You know, I used to say if it's over $100, it's not worth going. Oh, it is now. Uh, yeah, it is. I, I can't. I can't wait to go back to live shows. But but that's a t- and that's a true point too. The other thing that you bring up, Jake. How many people know about Beyonce versus people that know about drum corps or indoor groups? One of the best ways I've heard the marching activity described is the biggest thing that no one knows about. Think about it. If you're part of this crazy activity, it has its own celebrities, the sought-out groups, its own lingo, branded merch, the list goes on. But you could also go your entire life and never know that WGI or DCI even exists, and most people do. The contrary is that unless you live in a cave with poor cell service, you definitely know who Beyonce is. Oh, exactly. Like the general market. I could tell you. Let's let's look at let's look at her Instagram. That's that would be that would be telling. Wait, hold up. Pause for a second. Beyonce has 155 million followers? Is she the most followed person on Instagram? I feel like one of the Jenners are. Oh, I, I don't gotta know. look this up. <laughs> Top accounts on Instagram. Every, everyone, hold on. Now we're going down an Instagram rabbit hole. But this is a good... While Jake's doing that, I'll, I'll talk about... That's a good point. Even at the like greatest DCI show... The last show is about 20,000 people in the stands. And whenever I was marching, when we would talk about the theater show, the very first show of the season, they would say 100,000 people were going to see that show. And to us, that was like, oh my gosh, that's a ton of people. I mean, it is. That's a six-digit figure. But that's not Beyonce's 155 million Instagram followers, you know? So that's, that is magnitudes greater than what DCI is seeing. It's a, it's, a, it's a thousand times greater in terms of audience that she's reaching out to when she goes on a tour. So again, comparing the rock artist that has the most influence, why are their deals so much less than that of drum corps, which is a very tight niche, you know, it's a unique thing that not a lot of people know about. I mean, Maybe more people knew about it back in the early 2000s when DCI World uh, World Finals was uh, broadcast on ESPN. I miss those days. We need to... Yeah, rip. Let's get back to that. Let's talk to Disney and uh, <laughs> let's pitch them DCI. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what they need, right? They need... It is. So Instagram, to go mm-hmm. back to the most important part of what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, of course. Of course, uh, of course. Uh, Instagram is the most followed account on Instagram. That's... Oh, that doesn't sound right. No, but it's true. 367 million. Uh, number two, Cristiano Ronaldo. I guess football is popular in the world. It, it, it. Who knew? But Ariana, he's taken, so like everyone he, needs to like back I off. No, seriously. Um, wow. Um, and hmm. Ariana Grande is three. The Rock is four. One of what? the one of the Jenners is five. Selena Gomez okay. is six. Huh. Uh, one of the Kardashians is seven. Messi, again, football, big time. Football. Uh, huh. And then Beyonce is nine. 
Okay, Beyonce so she made nine. top ten. She did. Anyways, that's in, case that's in point. Interesting, but, the, but the point is, there were a lot of pop artists in that. We had Ariana Grande. We had Beyonce. Was that it? Did I, did I just insert and other so, people? And some of the Jenners, or Selena Gomez, I guess. Selena Gomez, that was the third one. So the most followed WGI group on Instagram is actually Pulse Percussion at just over 35,000 followers compared to Beyonce's 155 million. She literally has 154,964,700 more followers than the most popular WGI group. That's crazy, and I can promise you Pulse gets way more free gear than her. So yes. there are definitely people out there that, that reach a broader audience. And sure, we don't know those drum set players that play for them. I mean, they get new ones on each of their tours. But still, you know, you know that drummers are going to be at that show and they're going to see what that drum set player is playing with. So why not incentivize that? I don't know. So Chris, I, I hear you have some hot takes on this. What, what are, what are your, your super, super hot takes that you have? I do, I do often have spicy takes on things. And let me tell you, they're always right. So, here's, <laughs> so here are my reasons. We're going to start with DCI groups. Why do they get more items all right, and here we go. My first, my first theory: they're a nonprofit organization. They can leverage that against these companies to kind of treat them like a charity more than a business. Sure. When you're selling to Beyonce, she clearly has a profit margin, and it's very large. She got she money. She has a portfolio, and you're even selling to touring companies and staging companies, like all these things. When you're dealing with DCI, it's a non, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. So there's that right off the bat. There might be some tax incentives too, if we're being honest. I don't know too much because I only know the tax side from the 501c3 side. I don't know from companies trying to sell to them, but there are probably ways that you can use loopholes to get that cost down. The second thing is. DCI focuses on music education. Yeah, they're very, very student-first, student-centered. Uh, Correct. I know the leadership is all about that. They're all about, like, what can we do for the marching members? They cater to the members first and the audience second still, which is great, I think. It's hard to do. Well, it's fantastic. And I should clarify, when I'm saying DCI, I should say this is DCI and WGI. I should lump these two together. If yes. I'm saying one, I am meaning the other yes. when I'm talking about this. But, yeah, the, so... Already, DCI and WGI put music education on the forefront. And when you're selling to a company that provides equipment for music, it kind of, it's, it's a good um, negotiating tactic because it kind of puts them in a situation where they're kind of forced to give you a very good deal. Because if they, if they, if they were to stiff a DCI or WGI group, You'd be like, so you don't care about the education of young performers, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's not a, it's not a good look. So from a PR perspective as well, it looks great for groups. Also, with the hope of when when we've marched groups, with, and Jake can attest. And again, we'll leave companies' names out of it. But when we marched groups at a very high level, we became really brand loyal to the instruments and to the implements and to the symbols that we used. And to the staff. And to the staff of those those companies. Like those the reps would come by and they would learn our mm -hmm. names and they would like hang out and they were super friendly. And you're like, man, as soon as I am aged out and I'm teaching, 
I'm going to talk to this guy or this gal that yeah. I like oh. a lot. <laughs> yeah, go exactly. You're going to you're going to support the people that helped you. You know, the, our, our stick and mallet reps were always coming in our lots and making sure that everything looked pristine, brand new. Do you have everything you need? Great. We want you to look like a million bucks out there, which is true. They do want us to look great as we're out there. But since then, I, 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 when I, like Jake said, we aged out. We're teaching high schools. We're teaching colleges. We're teaching all these things. And I've definitely had people ask me, you know, what mallets do you recommend? And I immediately went with that mallet company because I was like, because they took care of me. Like, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to pay it forward. So that also helps. And this kind of bleeds into my next effect that I think the items that they sell in the drumming community, in the marching band community are what I would call tougher items to move. So the uh, slow moving items in the, in the warehouse inventory, like a five octave marimba, as opposed to a drum set, which sells all the time. Exactly. Like so many, I don't want to say non-musicians because we, we should consider them as musicians, just like classically trained musicians. Um, people who are starting their own band in their garage, they're going to buy a drum set. So drum sets are moving off the rack quickly. But bass lines are probably not moving as much. As in a set of bass drums, specifically. Correct. Exactly. Not, not the walking kind. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for that. Yes, because we were talking about garage bands. So so a marching bass drum line, so like five, a set of five marching bass drums, it's probably harder to move than a drum set. So you, you give a greater deal to these companies with the understanding that there will be a high school that has funding that's looking for a new drum line and they're going to look at DCI or WGI groups to buy from. And when they see that really good, like, oh, you know, that second place group had an awesome show. Wait, I can buy their drums? They're going to go for it. I mean, I know, for example, in my, in my college at Tennessee Tech, we bought Phantom Regiment's drums from 2010. I was very excited to play on World Championship drums. Sure. And we got them for a great deal. They were a season used. And even in drum corps, though, I mean, they tell you to take great care of your equipment because they, for two reasons. One, they're instilling good values on you, you know, take care of the things that are given to you, like take care of your own equipment. But also they know we need to sell this. So sure. <laughs> it's got to be in good condition. And they, yes. were, and they were fine. They were a little beat up, but like nothing insane. It was just what I would expect to see after a summer of drum corps. And it was great to play on those drums for, you know, I think I played on them for three years. Um, and it was fantastic. So all these reasons are the reasons that I think DCI groups get all of these items. I'll say that's why they get the quantity of the items that they receive. Not necessarily why they get more than the music industry. Yeah. But speaking on the music industry, let me talk about why I think the music industry does not get as many items. I mean, if, if it's even a little bit to do with, oh, we're trying to move product, like, why? So the first thing would be uh, Beyonce has money. She do. But like, not even just Beyonce, like Beyonce's drummer has money. Like these, these top musicians. So when we're talking about drum corps, I mean, we can think of it in the grand scheme of members in a drum corps versus the members of all of the marching activities across the country. We can think of it as number of groups versus the number of marching groups. We're talking about the top like 0.1% of marching activity is drum corps. So when you think about the top 0.1% of drum set players, like in the rock genre, or we'll even just say in the music industry genre, they're crushing it. They are doing very well from themselves. They're not really hurting. 
So I feel like these companies know that they don't necessarily need the free gear. Like free to them is the difference between like, um, if we were going out to eat one day, Jake, and it's like, we could go to this place and it's $10 or we could go to this place and it's $10 and one cent. Yeah. It was like, do do you want avocado on your burrito slash guacamole? And you're like, obviously I want guacamole (laughs) on my burrito. Yes. I know it's extra. If you're, if you're making them, if you're making guac money, guac is like an obvious, sure. Yeah. I'm going to do that. You're not, you're not searching for ways to, to rig the system whenever something is not that expensive. And I think these drum set players, like I think, I think to like someone like Travis Barker right now is probably one of the most popular and one of the, and one of the highest paced drummers in terms of the popular culture, a a drummer from Blink-182. He has enough money that he doesn't have to worry about how much his gear costs. And because of that, I think the companies recognize that they still want to maintain a good relationship with him because they want him, they want him to be playing with their equipment, but they don't really need to sell him on and we'll give you free stuff. And his net worth is close to 50 million, five zero. So he's worth about five DCI. Yeah, so, I mean, he's fine. And then, and then you kind of said it earlier, Jake, like these are, these are high moving items that we're dealing with, right? Drum sets sell, um, drum sets, sticks sell all these things that we often see in the mainstream music like synthesizers guitars you know all of these things they're selling off the shelves because that's what lots of people are playing there are a lot of at-home musicians that are playing with these things and there's a demand for them and since these items are moving off the shelves often you often don't need sales for them. You see a lot of sales when you go shopping. You see clearance sales on things that the store needs to get rid of. They're not moving on their own. They don't have sales for things that are moving off the shelves as it is. Like bread is often not marked down. It just isn't. Like it's a high moving item. Sure. So we've got that. And then my, my final point is when we were talking about, when I said like the 0.1% of top musicians, I'm sure these musicians are still getting a deal. We just don't necessarily know about them. Oh, yeah. Travis Barker, I think, is with Zildjian and Yamaha. I, 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 yeah, we, I'm not to too sure. Maybe, maybe we'll have a magic drop right here. Hi, Future Jake here. Travis Barker's equipment providers are Zildjian Cymbals and Drumsticks, Remo Drumheads, and DW Drums. So that's the stuff that, that Travis is playing with. He probably still gets that for free, but his giant drum set rig with all the hardware, brand new cymbals, new heads every performance, new sticks, mm-hmm. three times the performance, does not equal half of a DCI or a WGI per- set of percussion equipment. It's, it's like they could give him the nicest Correct. stuff that exists and they're still yeah. giving drum corps more. And if we're being realistic, they're bringing in more money. <laughs> they <And> are. <laughs> Travis Barker makes more money than. <laughs> yes. So that's that's kind of my hot takes on all of this. Those are good takes. Do you have Do you have any closing thoughts to my hot takes or anything that? I think it would be best for us to probably chat with some industry professionals to correct all the things that we said that were incorrect. <laughs> so, oh, people who are smarter than us. Yeah, right. definitely. We should talk to them. <laughs> and that's been kind of the theme uh, with this show so far, as we try to talk a little bit from our own experience and then we go and talk to people who actually know what they're talking about and get the real answers and deliver them to the good people. So um, after the break, uh, we're going to do that. 
This week, we don't have an official sponsor, so the podcast is actually brought to you by Apex Percussion, the YouTube channel of Jake and myself. Yeah, I don't love to plug too much of my personal stuff with virtual arts, but we're trying to grow the channel. Listen, Jake, I do love to plug stuff, so I'll I'll take it from here. (laughs) (laughs) What we do on this YouTube channel is like snare drum challenges, electronic percussion covers, high quality recordings of percussion music. We just did a Mandalorian cover. Yeah, exactly. We do some pop stuff. It's stuff that you'd like to see in terms of concert percussion music, as well as some just hip new ideas of where percussion is going. Yeah, we have a YouTube, we have an Instagram, and we're just starting out. So we'd really appreciate a follow and a subscribe. Might as well comment too. That'd be fun. Search Apex Percussion on YouTube. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, my name is Brian Doherty. I am a key account. So this is Brian. He's a rep for Sennheiser Microphones. If you haven't heard of Sennheiser, you've probably at least heard someone on a Sennheiser. They make mics for celebrities, huge artists, news and radio, and like most Hollywood movies. He does a lot for them, but one of his jobs is to hand deliver custom $4,000 mics to some of the biggest artists in the world, including Beyonce. And yes, he's a drum corps alumnus, marched in the drum line at Crossman. So I ended up doing drum and bugle corps and going to college for a music education degree, which then split into a music business degree along with minors in recording engineering, electric composition uh, as well. He's gotten to work with artists like Ronnie James Dio and Ozzy Osbourne, but he said one of his most memorable experiences was with Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo, I had a weird experience because I was working with her band at the time. And when they came backstage, like security was really mean and like, don't look at Mrs. Lowe and things like that. (laughs) Mrs. Um, Lowe. Yeah. But then after the show, uh, one of the guys in the band invited me on to the bus. I didn't know it was it was her actual bus that that he was on because he worked directly for her. So here I am thinking like, wow, she's, she's all, you know, kind of stuck up. And then she gets on the bus, sees me and goes, oh, weren't you backstage before? Gives me a huge hug and like a kiss on the cheek. And thanks for being here. Do you need anything? It was like super friendly. <laughs> and you're like, I'll never wash my face again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like she was really nice. Um, my personal favorite story was this crazy interaction that he had with Stevie Wonder. I was at a trade show and I know one of the guys in in his entourage. So the company I was at with at the time had come out with a new MIDI keyboard. So um, at one of the largest music conventions called NAM, National Association of Music Merchants, there's nothing happening on a Sunday. Usually there's no people. So at about one in the afternoon, um, oddly enough, an intern goes, hey, Brian, Stevie Wonder's looking for you. And And you're like, oh, yeah, casual. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, and uh, and they go no, like he he's right there. And I turn around. And there's there's Stevie with his whole like crew waiting to talk to me. So I I took him over to this keyboard, and everyone kind of left us alone. And you know, anywhere Stevie Wonder goes, like I said, the, this huge convention center that holds a hundred thousand people is empty. And within minutes, there there's a thousand people surrounding us. And, you know, since Stevie's blind, I kind of started going through my normal presentation on the keyboard. And finally my brain actually kicked in and I said, he can't see what I'm talking about. So I had to go and I put my hand on his back and I took his hand. So I, I went through everything slow and, and really brought him through. And then he started playing keyboard and, and like, just singing ever so slightly, just singing and playing keyboard. 
And it was one of those weird, surreal moments where I'm looking around and there's, you know, security everywhere. So there, there's no one within 20 or 30 feet of me and Stevie. And I'm like, I'm literally getting a, a, a personal performance by Stevie Wonder right now. It was quite, quite an amazing experience. And honestly, every time I kind of think about it, I, I get just kind of kind of little chills because such sure. such a strange and and unique experience from i, I mean uh, one of history's greatest musicians yes yes i will eventually ask him my questions but one more quick story i had worked with zach wilde a couple of times again a, a guitar legend and um i was doing a photo shoot with lamb of god at a concert in connecticut so i went i worked with lamb of god i had known those guys for years and i was backstage and ozzy was going on stage and zach wilde sees me as he's walking on stage to perform with ozzy he gives me a huge hug oh brian i haven't seen you man oh man my bills are piling up and like my wife is breaking my chops about all this stuff and he just starts talking to me and like complaining about everyday life things and he's like did you see that yankee game the other day oh man (laughs) and i'm like what's happening right here and then ozzy's manager is like zach uh, um ozzy's literally on stage waiting for you he's like tell him to hold a minute talking to brian here and i'm like what is what is happening right now? This can't be real life. And then and then he looks at me and he's like, "Man, you know, I gotta go make some money or something." So he like walks away, literally, from talking to me right onto stage and starts shredding. And I'm like, "Did that just happen? Yeah, this this can't be real." So that's Brian. We chatted for a bit and I explained our discussion with Chris. A drummer with 100,000 followers can only get a fraction of the free gear that a drum corps can with the same size fan base. How? We're trying to rack our brain. I mean, literally, Beyonce gets less free gear than the Bluecoats. Why is that? Funny you mention that. Um, I, I've sold Beyonce all of her wireless gear. <laughs> I'm sure she uses the best stuff. She, it, it, it's, it is the best we have to offer. Um, but yeah, she 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 pays for it, um, you know, and, and her team pays for it. Um, yeah, as you said, when, when looking at things like that, you, you are correct. Um, the, the music industry looks at a lot of things because sometimes, um, for one, it depends on the company. Some companies have almost non-existent artist relations programs. Some companies have a program, but it's very strict and, and very sort of cut and dry. Um, Sennheiser's is a very simple program. Um, if if we do end up working with you, um, there's one price for gear and everyone pays for it. So some companies have a tiered system. Um, oh, you're an A artist, you're a B artist, you're a C artist. So an A artist gets the highest discount, a C artist gets the lowest. Um, and some of that, you know, a, as a company, Sennheiser felt was a strange idea to do things that you're giving, you know, a, a huge name artist that is making a ton of money the biggest discount, whereas the person, you know, really grinding it out, making no money, gets the least discount. So that's reason number one. Chris was kind of right. Multi-millionaire artists just aren't really incentivized by free gear. <laughs> And reason number two, Chris also had right. Good job, Chris. I'm proud of you. Where Beyonce will always own all of her gear, drum cores never really do. Essentially what it is, is it's like the items are on layaway. We give them to you for free from January 1st till August 20th. That's when you then have to sell everything. 
And once you sell it, you just hand us a check. So I asked him, why doesn't Beyonce just consign her gear? She'd definitely be able to sell it. Plenty of people would love to use the mics that were custom made for Beyonce and used for her tour. Looking at it, a lot of companies view um, drum corps as essentially free marketing. Um, I was in the cymbal line and the bass line at the Crossmen, and I was in Zildjian cymbal ads for like nine years after I even marched. And and even some Tama ads, I, I apparently show up every now and then. Now, that's something that the companies do, though, is as part of this, Everything is license-free. Everything. We can use your name. We can use your image, your likeness, videos. License-free, no holds barred. Now, That's interesting. I didn't think about that. As you mentioned, uh, looking at someone like Beyonce, she's a big enough name. If you're using her image, you're paying her money, and you're paying her a lot of money to be able to do that. So that was one thing we didn't think about. If Yamaha gives Carolina Crown a set of drums for the summer, they can use photos, videos, recordings of them performing for free. No one gets that deal with Beyonce. Well, maybe Jay-Z. In any case, he was able to confirm another of Chris's points. Companies know that high school bands will always buy gear loaned to DCI and WGI groups. I have friends in Texas whose their high school marching band budget is $2 million for a season. Now, to them, they are looking at these things. They are looking at, okay, what's the newest that's happening in drum corps? What is the, oh, PA systems are now available? What are they using? Oh, Bluecoats is using synthesizers. They're using drum machines. What are they using? Because you got to figure if someone's touring the country and beating the bejesus out of things like drum cores do, where it's getting rained on or just pure 100% humidity all day, kids sweating on it, and it's still working. You know your kids in your high school marching band who yeah. are not going to treat it all that well. It's going to hold up and, and it's going to sound good. It's going to be easy to use because, again, with drum core. Everything about drum corps is so complicated. You want anything you're using to work and be as easy as possible. One last point that I thought of as we were talking is that not all fans are created equal. If you took a random 100,000 fans from Beyonce's following, more than likely most of them are not musicians or performers. But of the Bluecoat's 100,000 followers, most of them probably are. That, that's definitely true, too. Even when you say looking at bands, if you look at certain bands like Dream Theater, uh, statistically, sure. more more actual musicians listen to Dream Theater than, are, as you said, are, are just fans. Take artists like Chan or Jacob Collier. Their music is for musicians, and those are the kinds of people they attract as fans. Looking at... The fan base and the likelihood of a marketable sell-through funnel, they have a higher probability that someone is a musician and is going to purchase that product. Everyone in that group is using your product. Now, they're more likely to buy it. Then they're going to tell their friends who are also musicians or band kids who are then more likely to buy it. So that is very different than, say, looking at someone like a Beyonce where She's not going to get a free trumpet, but I know I know her trumpet player when she has toured with one. You know, 
that guy's not getting free trumpets uh, uh, like a drum corps is or a WGI group because the likelihood of that transitioning into a sale is much lower. So different categorizations. And as I said, it's, it's almost looking at drum and bugle corps and WGI as a complete marketing experience for a lot of companies that are, are pursuing it. So there you have it. Let's head back to the studio with Chris for any final thoughts. All right, and we're back. And that is indeed how your favorite DCI or WGI group gets more free gear than Beyonce. Yeah, that was really interesting to hear. I don't know, it's just something great to think about every time that when you have what we call Christmas Day and you get your new gear for your drum corps or for your marching band or for your indoor group, you can you can kind of think back to this episode and be like, oh, I remember that thing I learned. So that's really cool. So what's the moral of the story if you want a bunch of free instruments? Start your own world-class WGI group, get in the top 10, and collect those dollar bills. And by bills, I mean drums and stuff. All right, well, before we wrap up, as always, Chris has the bop of the week. It's a song this week that's a total bop. You should go listen to it. Chris, what is the bop of the week? Listen, you can't listen to this song fast enough is all I've got to say. You have to listen. Well, finish this podcast first. It's almost over. Just bear with us. Finish the podcast. And then you need to listen to Boy by Charlie Puth. It's Boy in all caps by Charlie Puth. It has one of my favorite um, musical devices in it where it sets up uh, an ostinato rhythm that you think is a certain tempo or in a certain time and then you find out later that it is not what you expected. Daft Punk does it a lot where they'll have like, oh, this was the dotted quarter note the whole time where you thought it was the quarter note the whole time. Exactly. I want you to listen to it and just kind of keep that in mind. And then when it jumps in, you'll be like, I see what Chris was saying. And that was a bop. All right. It's also just a great song. He's a very, he's a very accomplished singer and pianist. So check it out. I think it's time to see us out. All right. This has been The Morning Block. This show is a production of Virtual Arts, Inc. and was produced by Chelsea Levine, hosted by Jake Lyons and Chris Parker, edited and mixed by Caleb Lee, and our audio engineer is Rosa Westfall. Special thanks to today's guest, Brian Doherty. Logo design by Brian Harmson, and original music was written and produced by Jordan Turan and Josh Russell. See you all next week. <laughs>